Welcome to the Heart Kids podcast. Join us to hear stories of Australians affected by childhood heart conditions. My name is Rachel Knowles and I'm one of your hosts. I'm 24, I'm a journalist, and I live with a congenital heart condition. I was born with tricuspid atresia and had Fontan surgery at the age of two. I'm passionate about people and their stories, and I'm excited to walk with you on this journey as we share experiences and learn more about those of us living with childhood heart conditions. To begin, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land in Warram, otherwise known as Sydney. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and the land that you're listening in from today. We pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging, and pass that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. In this episode, we're getting to know Sam. Sam is an incredibly inspiring guy and is one of the hosts of this podcast. Sam is 30 and lives on the Sunshine Coast. He loves four-wheel drive, his footy, fishing and getting outdoors. Like me, Sam was born with a heart condition. He had his first open heart surgery when he was 26 and is passionate about mental health and of course, the power of sharing stories. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. You absolutely nailed it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was so nervous the whole time. Um, <laughs> where are you joining us from? Um, currently based on the Sunshine Coast for work. So, uh, Sunshine Coast, sorry, Gold Coast. Gosh, getting confused. So many coasts. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, too many. Too many. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell me, what is your heart condition? Well, technically now I don't really have one, I guess, but um, I've got a mechanical valve. So... And that's what they fixed up when I um, had my open heart surgery. But I was born with a bicuspid valve. So two of my valves in my aorta were stuck together. And then in 2011, during the routine checkup, they discovered that I had aortic dilation as well. Far out. Here we are. That's, yeah. And look at you. Look at you go. I guess tell me a little bit about <laughs> tell me a little bit about growing up. Um, I heard that you're a, you're a big rugby league fan. Uh, yeah, I played a lot of rugby league uh, when I was growing up. Like, probably almost too much that it I've got a few injuries from it now that uh, you know, didn't give the body a chance to sort of rest as much as I should have. But growing up, um, I lived the life, I guess, of a very stereotypical Australian bloke. You know, just playing footy, fishing, camping. You know, just just living life as as best as I can, I guess. I suppose 2017 was quite a big year for you. Can you, I suppose, walk me through what, what happened? So 2017, um, I'd not long actually moved to the Sunshine Coast and that was, you know, I was, I was due for a checkup and I went to see a brand new cardiologist and it was the, the first time that I'd actually been to a cardiologist appointment on my own. Normally I'd have uh, my sister with me or my mum or, or somebody like that. But this was the first one because I'd moved away from my, my support group and up, up in Toowoomba. You know, I went to this checkup and my new cardiologist told me that I was to have open heart surgery within the next 90 days. So um, that was very confronting being, like I said, the, the first one uh, without that support there. But yeah, it was, it was very, very challenging. Yeah, I, I imagine. I imagine. And I, I guess in those 90 days, that's a huge amount of time to kind of look at your life and things that you know have to have to change and have to adjust with what's coming. What was that process like? Was there anything that was happening in your world that had to be reconsidered? Bucket loads of things. You know, so the, the 90 days ended up getting pushed out to nearly about six months. So that, you know, for, for a bloke who even prior to being told that you're going to have open heart surgery who su- suffered from you know, a bit of anxiety and whatever else, that sort of 
uh, I guess, exacerbated the, the anxiety a lot. You know, so for me, you know, my, my life had sort of felt like it was taken out of my control with everything. Like, you know, it was, you know, when you're told you have, you have 90 days to have surgery and then that gets pushed out, you know, to, to almost double that was a, a very confronting experience, I guess, and something that I, I, I struggle with a lot from a mental health standpoint. Yeah. The waiting game is, is not kind in any way. No. Not at all. You know, it's, um, it is very confronting because you go um, to, you know, obviously, you have your appointments with the, the surgeons and, you know, they, they tell you sort of what to expect and, you know, everything like that. So, you know, they, and they just give you all the grim details. So just, you know, again, uh, for a bloke who has anxiety, I'm focusing on all of that bad stuff. And, you know, it's you're just like, oh, my goodness, this is going to just be the worst thing ever. So it was very, very confronting. And then, you know, getting closer to that, that 90 day sort of appointment date, I guess. And then, you know, it just getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Um, it, it wreaks havoc on, on one's mind. Now you have done an incredible video with Heart Kids, which was wonderful to watch. And from that, I understand that you had kind of an aspiration to, to join the army did this change that for you? Yeah, it, well, my aspirations to be an officer in the army, actually, they were ended in 2011. Okay. Um, so that was when they first discovered that I had the swollen aorta. That was when the, the carpet was really ripped out from underneath my feet because I had, you know, I was told that I wasn't allowed to play rugby league anymore, which, um, you know, as, as we discussed before, that was, that was everything. That was my life. And, you know, I'd been working for probably... You know, the, the, the army career path would, was something I'd be, I guess, working towards in some aspect for about two years. So that was what I was doing, you know, and I had my you know, mindset, like, you know, I could see myself marching out, um, you know, from, from officer training and, um, you know, looking up at my mum in the crowd and then, you know, just being incredibly proud. But, you know, so that was, that was everything. That was where my life was going. And, and that's, that's all I could envision for my life. And then, yeah, when that was, was taken away from me, it was, absolutely devastating. How did you pick yourself up after that? Um, time, as they say, time heals all wounds, but, you know, being, being very consciously aware of the, the state of emotion that I was in, I guess, but then also having a wonderful support group. Like, you know, I've got, got a very beautiful family and, you know, my, my sisters, uh, my brother and my mum, I can talk to them about anything. So uh, it's challenging as a, as a, a again, a, a stereotypical Australian male, like, you know, it's, it's not, something that we're generally supposed to do from a societal standpoint is, is talk about emotions and feelings and these things. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I have the capacity to be able to do that from my own standpoint, but then having that support group around me to be able to do that as well. So just, just picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and, you know, just, just having another crack because at the end of the day, this, this life isn't a trial run. It's the, the only one that we get. So, you know, I'm here to make the most of it. That's it. I like that. This life isn't a trial run. I like that sentiment a lot. <laughs> we'll let you use that one. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to incorporate into all my vocab now. <laughs> so I think what's really interesting is we're, we're quite different. You know, I had my surgery when I was when I was born, whereas you were 26 when you went into this huge life-changing surgery. Um, yeah, what was it like to kind of stare down the barrel of open-heart surgery at 26? Uh, confronting. Like, you know, it gives, gives me goosebumps just even thinking about it now and it, it, it was – massive like you know like you said it, it's your your situation and my situation are very different um you know and it's you know, I've, I've done a fair like a bit of work with heart kids and we've done like i've done a few christmas toy drives and i've got to hand out gifts to children and it, it's beautiful to see 
the resilience that they have because they just they simply don't know any better. This is all it is for them. Like you know, so they just just you know they just bounce back from it, and it, it's it's humbling to see. But you know, as, as an adult going through that, like you know, you you know what life is without having surgery, and then but you also know the repercussions of it. Like you know, when when you get told you you your percentage of survival from surgery, like, you know, and, and then the, the, the surgeon's reading out all the complications and everything that might go wrong and you're just like, oh, my freaking goodness. Like, you know, I can't believe this is actually happening to me. And it's, um, yeah, it's very confronting and um, my mind works at a million miles an hour. And then, you know, again, going back to it, like, you know, having that anxiety, you just sort of sit there laying in bed at night, you know, and it's you just got running through all of these different situations and scenarios and you're staring down the barrel of your own mortality. And that is a very, very confronting thing. I often think, you know, people people like myself, I, I haven't necessarily had to have a grieving journey because, as you said, this is all that I've kind of known. Yeah. But for you, you've walked through so many different paths where you've had to really confront grief and traumatic experiences. For you, how have you moved through the grief after your open heart surgery and stepping back into the world as you are now? I, I, for me, I try to see the beauty within it. Like, you know, I'm a hopeless romantic with life. So, like, you know, I try and see the beauty in everything. And I guess, you know, dealing with my mortality has a, plays a, a very integral, more important role in that. But, like, you know, I was told then it was something that I didn't, didn't really click for a few years. So it'll be five years in January when I, for, for my surgery. And, at one of my original appointments, the, the cardiologist said, or the cardiothoracic surgeon or whatever hell fancy name they have, they, they said that I'll, I'll get PTSD from this. And I'm just like, you know, you're sort of like PTSD. That's, you know, what, what people in the army get like, you know, and it's, you don't really have the correlation, I guess, between what you're about to go through and having, you know, post-traumatic stress, like, you know, but I was cracked open, like, you know, I was opened up and, you know, your, your, your body knows that and, you, and then because your body knows that, that then impacts your mind and then your mind, it's just impacting everything. Um, so, like, you know, it was at the anniversary of this year, um, I was living alone and I'd never lived alone before in my life um, and had all these weird feelings and like sort of coming up and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, like, what the hell are all these thoughts coming up for? This is so bizarre. Um, and then I, you know, didn't even put two and two together until later. I'm just like, oh, hang on a minute. It's getting close to the anniversary of my surgery. Um, I'm living alone. Like, you know, and all of these things are just all, all sort of there. And I'm just like, crikey, I'm dealing with post-traumatic stress. And then it's just that aha moment. And as soon as that clicked for me, I was just like, all right, now I know what what's causing this. I can start fixing it, doing what I need to do. I think it's that sentiment, you know, no matter how far you kind of go mentally, your body remembers these things. Right. For sure. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's imprinted in us. Like, you know, for, for me, um, I, like, you know, because of my mechanical valve, it's, you know, I have a constant reminder that, that I've had open heart surgery because it's like a tick and, you know, it's like a clock in, in, inside me that I can hear. So go, going to sleep and then, you know, listening to that tick, it's a very conscious reminder of, of what I've been through. It's, it's always there. Oh, I know that you have quite a connection to salt water. Mm-hmm. How did that play a role in kind of recovering and kind of coming back into your body? It was such a beautiful moment for me. So, you know, I was, I had my surgery and I was released six days after having open heart surgery, which to me, when I, when, you know, someone talks to you about open heart surgery, you're like, oh man, what, that's going to be crazy recovery. You'll be in hospital for bloody weeks or whatever it might be. But 
you know, they'll, they'll kick them out six days after my surgery. <laughs> you know, it was, um, it was crazy. But on the seventh day, uh, I, I said to my mum, I'm just like, mum, you need to take me down to the water. And she's like, I don't think we should do that because obviously driving when you've, you know, just been opened up, it's, you know, if, if you do have a crash and it's not a good situation, but, um, and I was still in a fair bit of pain, obviously as well, but, it was something that I knew knew down in my soul, in my heart, and you know, in every part of my being that I needed to do that. Um, and one of my best mates was with me as well. Um, and uh, I went down to Alex Wall, actually, where we, where we recorded the video um, for the Hard Kids one, which was um, a very sentimental and beautiful moment. But yeah, so I, I went down and I just walked down to the water and I waddled, as I say in the video. And it's probably more of a rather than walking, I sort of shuffled down. But I put my feet in the water and. As soon as I did that, a wave came up and then just hit me in the legs. And, you know, it was, uh, whether you want to believe it as corny or cheesy or whatever it is, but it, it genuinely felt like it washed all of my problems away. And it was at that very moment that I knew that I was going to be okay, that, that this road was, you know, just all going to get better from that point. I really love that. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> I guess the mental health journey, I think, for every CHD kid and, and an adult is completely different. But I do think it's always quite laced with those mental struggles and those battles. You know, I think we we talk a lot about anxiety and then PTSD in this space. And um, I think it's a really beautiful thing because, you know, growing up and I imagine this for yourself as well. You know, we I didn't really have those conversations about how that related to my heart and how that related to you know, that part of me, for you and sharing your story, is that something that really empowers you knowing that that's a message that's so important for, for kids who have this? 100%. Like, you know, it's for me, like, you know, getting getting to have the zip, like, you know, that, that is, it's a very physical badge of honour for me. Like, you know, but, but that's, that's, that's surface level, you know, there, there's so much more beneath that, you know, it's obviously my, my heart's beneath that scar, but, you know, it's, yeah, but on a deep, deeper level, like, you know, it's there, there's scars that, that are up in our brains and, you know, in our souls that aren't on show. Um, and we, we don't get to display those very often. So, you know, it's, it's, they're all very intrinsically linked in, in so many ways that we just don't even begin to comprehend. And, um, you know, our physical health comes from also our mental health. Like, you know, once you start getting mentally ill, then you get physically ill as well. And that's, you know, that's just, it's not woo-woo, that it's just straight science. Like, you know, it's, it's backed and it's, you know, it, it's, yeah, hugely important for us to recognise all aspects of those scars and the issues that we have, I guess. I think looking at, you know, on my journey, I look quite at the way that I identify as a woman and what that journey kind of looks like for me uh, and my femininity. What is it, I suppose, what's the heart journey kind of taught you about your masculinity? It's, it's, it's shown me that I can also embrace my feminine side. Um, strangely enough, like, you know, that's something that, that I've probably, I guess, come into power with um, in recent years more so than I have in, in the, the years prior to that. So, you know, being, getting in touch with that, that feminine, feminine side, um, you, you know, being able to embrace the emotions and the feelings that I have. Um, and, you know, it's when we say feminine, it's not just necessarily, obviously, a woman, that's the way we perceive it, but it's a, a beautiful aspect of all of us, like, you know, so, but then also embracing my masculine, like, you know, that's the part of me that I love. That's why I grow a beard. It's like, you know, why I do manly things. Um, it's, I love it. But being able to, to combine that, that feminine side of that and, you know, share those emotions and feelings and, and 
by me doing that, by me embracing it so wholly and, you know, as much as I do, it's allowing other blokes to do the same. And that's, that's the, my favorite part about it is by me doing these things, it's, it's getting other blokes to be able to, to do that as well. And then say, Oh, hang on a minute. I do have feelings and emotions underneath this tough exterior that I'm supposed to be protruding. I want to talk to you about self-care as well, because I think a big thing that I've had to learn, which is not kind, um, and I imagine you've learned it too, you know, you're having to take yourself to a cardiologist on your own. Self-care is all the pretty things, but it's also the, I need good doctors, I need a good support group. How have you facilitated, I suppose, your healthcare team and your support network to make sure that you are giving yourself the best run at health? Uh, I'm going to be blatantly honest here I'm, I'm pretty bad at it simply because like you know I've I've got ADHD so the important aspects of my life I, I'm very good at forgetting but because I'm aware of that I can try and make the workarounds to, to you know try and make sure that I get to these appointments and things like that but I've built a, a very unique relationship with my GP so you know he's actually he texts me and just reminds me that I need to do go and do these things and whatever else because he knows that I have ADHD. He knows what I'm like. He knows that I'm bloody hopeless at remembering anything. So he'll actually remind me. My mum is an absolute godsend. I love her to death. And you know, I definitely would not be in the position that I'm in right now in this world. I probably wouldn't even be alive right now if it wasn't for my mother. So you know, ha- having her in my corner, pestering me, annoying me, making sure that I get to those appointments. You know, I'm a 30 year old bloke, and I'm, I'm still relying on my mum. You know, as, as, as much as I was when I was. 10 years old. So, so yeah, having her there, but we live in an age of technology. So, you know, being able to set reminders, you know, put things in your calendar, set alarms, you know, you can just ask your phone to do something for you and it'll it'll do it. So, um, you know, that's a very, very, very powerful tool that um, we all need to probably use a little bit more than we do. 100%. 100%. I think the technology is an absolute godsend. I do the same thing. I go to a cardiologist and it's like, oh, in like two years, you'll come back or in six months, you'll come back. And I put it in my phone and I would not remember it if I didn't do it. Yeah. 100%. I guess looking back to the start of this journey, so back to 2011, as, as you said, what's, I suppose there's so many things that I can imagine that would stand out, but what has kind of been the biggest learning for you? Biggest learning is, is uh, as I said in my, in my video that I did, I mean, it's, it's at, at how truly resilient that I am in, in so many aspects. You know, I've, I've, I say this like, you know, I'm very vocal in, in my journey and what I do, but I've been broken mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, so being able to, to break down and, and, and see where the, the bottom of, of the bottom is for me, but then also being able to be that phoenix and rising from the ashes and, you know, being able to come back out and come back up stronger. Like, you know, I can rebuild the foundations that, that I've broken, um, but I can rebuild them to be better and stronger. So, um, how bloody tough I am! Like, you know, it, it amazes me. Like, you know, I, lo- I love it. It's, it's such a such a beautiful aspect of my life. Um, you know how tough I am from you know a, f- a physical aspect, but then uh, an emotional and spiritual aspect as well, um, and, and my ability to connect to others because of the journey that I'm on. I think somebody once told me once that it's uh, they described it as a quiet superpower where you don't necessarily look. Like you, yeah. you have a heart condition, you have a medical condition, but if you walk into a room, nobody knows it, but you know it and you know the strength. It, it's such a beautiful thing. Like, you know, I, I live a, a, a life that's probably a lot more out there than it should be. Um, like, you know, considering I've had open heart surgery, I'm, I'm um, 
know, very physical in a lot of things that I do. But like, you know, I, I talk to people and because, you know, they, they, they know who I am, but they don't necessarily see the scar or anything like that. And then a few months later, a couple of years later, or whatever it might be that, you know, I say I've, I've had open heart surgery and they're just like, seriously, like, but you do all of this. I'm just like, so do you expect me to be anything less though? I love it. I do. <laughs> I think that's the thing, right? It's the little, it's like a party trick. Nobody knows it. And then you pull it out and everyone's like, what do you mean? Like, hundred percent. Chick stick scars too. So like, you know, get the crowd around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't comment on that one. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, how does, how is life for you at the moment? What does life look like? Life is very chaotic for me, but that's just the way that, that my life has been. Like, you know, it's from, for as long as I can remember, but, like, you know, I'm a very, I guess, dream orientated person. Like, you know, I, I'm a bleeding heart for the world. You know, I've, I've and I wear that on my, on, on my, like, on my sleeve too. So it's, um, I, I have big aspirations to be able to, to impact this world in very positive ways. And, you know, by being, doing this sort of thing, um, it's going to enable me to do that even more. Um, so, so yeah, um, Working away a lot, so I, I hit the road. Like, you know, obviously I'm down the Gold Coast. I um, you know, just come back from Mission Beach for three weeks. I just was up, yeah, go to, go to Emerald next week. I might head it, likely heading over to Western Australia next year. So work's keeping me very busy there. But, yeah, got some very philosophical in my mindset and spiritual as well. So uh, doing a lot of reading and writing and um, just trying to understand this, this crazy ride that we call life. That's it. What was it? It's not a try run, right? Not a trial run, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you and hearing your story, and I'm very excited to uh, to learn more as we progress with the podcast. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me, and you did unreal. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast deals with some heavy things. If this brings up anything for you or somebody that you love, it's important to reach out for help. The Heart Kids Helpline provides support, advice and guidance for people impacted by childhood heart disease. You can call the helpline on 1800 432 785. To access more information about childhood heart disease as well as support from Heart Kids, visit the website heartkids.org.au. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect your health or your family's health.